Thank you, Alex. <clears throat> you had a, heard a word from the Lord, say amen. Amen. He will give you the strength to do what you need to do. Courage has become a big word for me uh, the last couple of years, and I've come to learn that Christ and through Christ alone we have the courage to do what we need to do, to do what is right, to do what honors the Lord, to do, uh, face the challenges that we really don't want to face. And instead of running from them, we can lean into them. Now, I want to extend that invitation to come back at 5 o'clock this evening for our report from our KBC consultant in Sunday school, Darrell Wilson. And when you greet him tonight, his name is Darrell. Really, not Darrell, but Darrell. And um, he is one of the four top Sunday school people in the whole nation. And uh, for him to come and give his time and effort, we paid for it through the cooperative program. Let's use it, right? Let's use it. We paid for it. And so um, he's been gracious to do that. And we have been consulting as well, me, just me and him. And it took me about three hours to soak in what he's going to deliver to you in one hour. I'm kind of slow, but you all will get it. He will have a slide uh, presentation. I want all the teachers to come. And if you're an assistant teacher, please come. Um, we have a book for you that he has written called Disciple uh, Making, and um, uh, so uh, we want you to come and get that free book. Got his autograph in there. See, one day you'll say, hey, I got this book signed by Darrell Wilson from the KBC. But it's, uh, I tell you what, if you are a teacher, you need to read that book. Read that book. It's about having, a, it's the same way I build a sermon. It's having experience with the Lord during the week as you teach the Bible that you bring to the class when you teach that lesson on that Sunday. And uh, I've had a wonderful time with the Lord this week in this passage of Scripture from Matthew chapter 9. So turning your Bibles to Matthew chapter 9, and we're going to read uh, together. I'll read aloud, and you read along uh, from Matthew chapter 9. Got it on the screen yet? Do we have, there we go. All right, let's pray before we begin. Father, we thank you for the opportunity once again to hear your word. And Lord, we want to hear what thus saith the Lord, not what the preacher has to say. Lord, you've laid some things on my heart this week, so help me, Lord, to share those in a clear way that we can understand what you want to tell us. And Father, may it not be what Brother Tom wants to say, but what the Lord wants to say. And I pray, Father, that hearts will be open. A soul will be saved today. Someone will come forward saying, I'm ready to give it up. Give my life to Jesus Christ and follow the Lord Jesus. I thank you for how you're going to move through the business meeting today. And I pray, Father, that this continues to be a spiritual experience for the entire congregation as we experienced in small group uh, in preparation. So, Lord, we pray your hand of great blessing going forward in the Word now and then from here on the way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. And seeing the people, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore beseech the Lord of the harvest 
to send out workers into what? To send out workers into what? His harvest. His harvest. That word caught me yesterday and I had to rewrite the whole sermon. Now we have been studying the Sermon on the Mount for many a Sunday and you could really spend a whole year or two in the Sermon on the Mount. I called a friend of mine in Brett County, Kent Miller, y'all know, Kent, some of y'all know Kent Miller from his mother, Brenda Tall, and, and they were members of our church at Parkland and he was called to preach while he was there and I said, hey, what are you preaching on Sunday? He said, I'm in the Sermon on the Mount. I said, brother, I got 15 sermons on it. Would you like to have them? So we have been in the Sermon on the Mount. When you, when you go into Matthew's Gospel, that's where you start. The birth narrative and then the Sermon on the Mount. But now, Jesus is preaching a sermon on missions. Okay? Once on the Mount, now on missions. And he's talking about the opportunity that you and I have to be a harvester. To be a harvester. There's a lot of farming going on in this part of the country, and I just love it. I really do. Even the crop duster that came over one Sunday, that was a lot of fun. And I just, I just love it. And um, it takes hard work to, uh, to prepare the field, cultivate the field, get the tractors ready this time of year and so forth. But don't you just love the harvest? Don't you just love the harvest? And so Jesus comes along to use that same imagery as he teaches his disciples about the kingdom of God. So all through Matthew is that constant theme about the king and the kingdom of God. And in the kingdom of God, we have a huge field and a huge flock in the field. And those are the two images that Jesus is going to use right here. He's going to talk about the flock and he's going to talk about the field. And we see him working with the flock and then he says we need more workers to go out into the field to work with the flock. That's the imagery that he uses. I think Jesus would go over real well right here in Meade County because we got sheep, right? The flock, and we got cows and so forth, the herds, and uh, some goats around this country. And, um, but we've also got um, fields as well. So today I want to talk about a couple of things. One is the compassion of our Lord for the flock. I want you to go with me here as we embrace Jesus' ministry and more so embrace his heart. Let's look into his heart of how he has compassion for this, for this flock. The crowds that were around him, oh, it was awful. These were the least of the least. These were the most needy of his society. They looked abandoned. In fact, there's a word here uh, that he talks about this pe these people. He was going through the cities. He was teaching and he was healing the, uh, every disease and every sickness. But, but as he looked more compassionately toward the flock, the people, he felt compassion for them, for they were, and, and the New American Standard word is, distressed and dispirited. You ever get distressed and dispirited? Everybody does. But the word distressed and dispirited means thrown down and abused. Literally, thrust down and abused. That's what the crowd looked like to him and those around him. 
They were dispirited sheep, and they didn't have a leader. They didn't have someone to care. They didn't have someone to point and guide the direction of their life. Today we see dispirited peoples, peoples thrown down due to hunger, uh, due to war, uh, due to violence and drugs and crimes. Uh, just reported this week that the death rate during COVID of drug overdose in our state of Kentucky has, written, has risen almost 50% during the COVID time. And when we talk about these people, we have become kind of a, inoculated to it, I think. Well, that's just the way the world is. Until it happens to my family. Until it happens to, 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 to my family. But, you, you know, you, when you watch TV, you see these commercials about abandoned dogs, kitty cats. You know, when I watch that, I, t- I turn the channel. I just can't watch it. It just pulls at my heart, and I just, I'm ready for tears, and I'm ready to reach in my pocket for only $19.95 a month. I can save all the dogs in the world, you know. But do I feel that same compassion when I know someone that's addicted and is abusing family and friends? Do I feel that same hurt for someone who doesn't know Christ? Do I feel like I want to put my hands in my pocket and give an extra $19.99 a month so that more souls can be saved and avoid a devil's hell? You see, Jesus saw the crowds... And he was physically moved with this word compassion. Now that word compassion in the Bible means, you ever heard somebody say, you feel it in your gut? You just feel it in your gut? You know what I'm talking about? Well, that's the word for compassion in the Bible. It literally means your kidneys or your bowels. Jesus' feeling for those who were thrown down by the world they lived in bothered him so much that he felt it in the pit of his stomach. That's literally what that means. But did he just walk around and say, man, I feel bad today for those people. I feel bad today for what's happening. Ain't it awful? Ain't it awful? Ain't it awful? No, that feeling in the pit of his stomach led him to action. Which is the point I want to make about the first point of the sermon. Jesus' compassion for the flock led to action. Real compassion leads to action. Real compassion leads to action. It's one thing to have compassion and try to help. It's another thing to sympathize and do nothing. Sympathy and compassion are not the same. And to just say, ain't it awful, and make no change in my life to minister to somebody else is sympathy. But empathy and compassion is to say, I can do something. We're going to talk in a minute about some things that that you can do. His compassion led to action. Just like when we're hungry, it motivates us to do what? Eat. Uh, When our abdomen uh, doesn't feel well, we go see the doctor. Jesus kept, felt compassion, and he was motivated to minister to people. And folks, when Jesus ministered to people, it says here in verse 35, he healed every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. I can't heal every disease and every kind of sickness. 
but I can pray. I can refer. One of the greatest ministry opportunities we miss out on today is the ministry of referral. We often say to each other, I'll be praying for you. Well, that's good. And I use this phrase that I picked up from a minister friend of mine, you'll be in my thoughts and prayers. Y'all have seen me do that as I text you. Well, you really are in my thoughts and prayers. You, you really are. But quite often we have an opportunity to refer because there are other people better equipped to deal with folks' problems than I am. And that is a ministry within itself. So when Jesus looked at the crowds, he had compassion that he felt in his belly and it led him to action. How is our compassion meter running today? When we see the crowds of people, the, the people on the globe, does it move us to action? There's six billion plus people in the world. It's estimated that 30 million people worldwide will die without Christ this year. And we have folks who, ha who are going, who are there now, who are partnering with other evangelicals and gospel believers to see to it that the gospel of Jesus Christ is being proclaimed in areas where there has been no light whatsoever. These are called the unreached people groups around the world. In the Ukraine, even now, Sin Relief is there. That's a cooperative ministry of both our home mission board, our NAM, and also our IMB and our international mission board. They're, local, they're working right now with local Baptists in the Ukraine to care for displaced families who are in desperate, desperate need. And they are around the world at work. And Sin Relief helps those refugees. It helps fight poverty. It helps human trafficking. It provides for foster children around the world. And our cooperative program dollars are like boots on the ground today, right now in the Ukraine. But not only in the Ukraine, but literally all around the world and in the United States. Now, you hear a lot about Samaritan's Purse. You don't hear so much about Send Relief because that's Southern Baptist. But I want to bring you up to speed on Send Relief. We are there. Now, guess what? There's no overhead charge. There is an organization out there called CI. That's all I'm going to give you. And you see a lot of them. You see a lot of their fundraising and so forth. Very little percentage of what these fundraisers do that are doing good things actually gets to the needy people. Okay, one of them starts with the word compassion. I've been involved with that. But I can tell you what Southern Baptists give to 100% goes to the field to help the people. That's the best kept secret in the whole world, Bill. That Southern Baptists with disaster relief and sin relief are boots on the ground giving in a compassion that you and I have because we can't go. We need to be here working and supporting it. Not only around the world, but do we have compassion for our neighbors? Jesus said, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the world. Well, we witness to our Jerusalem by the friends and family that we live with and know in our network of persons. And we invest in them, and then we invite them to Bible study and worship with us. We call that Sunday school in our church. The Sunday school is a small group Bible study that ministers 
to each other and to outward to the community as well. And that's what it's designed to do. Now listen to me, teachers. Listen. Every class needs to have two care group leaders. People who will lead us in caring for those who are already enrolled in the class and people who will lead us in caring for those who are not yet enrolled. Those are called care group leaders. It is strategic. It is important. And you will hear more about it tonight when Darrell comes. But let me give you a word of grace about the Jerusalem that you live in. And the word of grace is this. You can't save everybody, but you can reach somebody. And there's an old story about the little boy on the beach and the starfish are scattered. And, and he reaches down, he gets a starfish, and he throws the starfish back in the water. And the old man comes along, and he says to the little boy, he said, Son, what are you doing? And the little boy said, I'm, I'm making a difference with this starfish. I'm throwing him back into the water. I'm helping him get back in the ocean. He said, Son, this beach goes for miles. You'll never be able to save all those starfish. And the little boy says, Yeah, but it'll make a difference in this one. So a word of grace, you can't save everybody. You can't minister to everybody. But you can minister to somebody, and you can handle about five at a time. Compassion should lead to action. Pray, listen, give, and go. Now, there's the flock. Let's talk about the Lord of the fields. Because he really gets down to the nitty-gritty here with a challenge that I'm trying to take on very personally in verse 37. He said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And I'm sure Jesus realized that he had ten disciples and he had a hundred people hanging out with him. What's the, what's the percentage there? 90-10, right? Well, it's 90-10 at Ekron, too. Ten percent of the people are doing 90 percent of the work. 10% of the people are doing 90% of the serving. 10% of the people are doing 90% of the ministry that goes on around here. It was true in the church I left. It's true down here at Salem. It's true up at Buck Grove. It's true up at First Baptist Church. And the Lord knew what the harvest would be like to see people saved, to see people um, transformed, to see people healed. That's exciting. That's kingdom work. That's eternal work. And the effort that we put into that will last forever and forever and forever. And Jesus was so excited about the kingdom of God and so compassionate to the fields that he was trying to leave, he would say, come on, ten disciples. I'm going to empower you to go out into those fields and pray for more workers because it's fun out here. It's fun out here. So first he said, pray. That's step number one. Pray for workers. And I'm praying for workers right now for our Sunday school. I'm praying particularly for three people, three of you sitting right here, that will step up and say, I will step into a child's Sunday school class and love that child for 45 minutes. A bunch of you just said, not me. I'm too old. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. 
Some of you said, not me. I took my turn. Wrong answer. Wrong answer. Some of you said, well, that's just not my gift and I'm not interested. Wrong answer. You don't love children? You're a Christian and you don't love children? My Lord, do you call yourself a Christian and you don't love children for 45 minutes a week? Some of you said, well, I'm just too tired. Wrong answer. Did God call you to do what you're doing? If God called you, you never get too tired. You should be energized by the ministry that you're doing. Are you nervous when I say these things? I am. I think my AFib's kicking in right here, right now. Just my heart kind of turning over every now and then wondering, what are they thinking out there, Scott? The right answer is, I will try. That's the right answer. I will sit in and watch and listen and learn. I will love those children like I love my children and grandchildren. That's the right answer. Another right answer is, God put it on my heart, and I'm not going to quit. A lot of quitting going on in the Baptist church. A lot of people divorcing the church. Don't let that happen at Akron. I've had times where I've told the Lord, here comes a confession, Bill, hang on. You got it? You ready? I wanted to quit preaching one time. I wanted to quit pastoring one time. God wouldn't let me do it. You know why? He called me. I have an assignment for you. And the reason I wanted to quit preaching and the reason I wanted to quit pastoring was my heart was not right with the Lord. And when your heart gets right with the Lord, you will serve. When your heart gets the right with the Lord and you have the compassion of the Lord Jesus Christ for the people who are in need, you will go and you will go and you will go until you die. My son taught me that. The last day he lived was the last day he entered into his journal that morning and he said, My Lord, may my motivation today be to please you and please you alone. That's the last thing he wrote the day he died. When I grow up, I want to be like my son. I challenge you, church. Quit sitting and soaking. Serve. Try. You never fail when you try. You learn. You discover. You create an atmosphere that people want to be involved in. In fact, he says in the end of this passage, Therefore beseech the Lord of harvest to send out workers into his harvest. When you start serving, you discover 
a couple of things. One, you discover all the other harvesters. And the most fun people to be around are the harvesters. The sitting soakers are the ones who are complaining and gossiping and bickering and um, whining and carrying on and quitting. Do you like being around negative people? I mean, do you just show up in crowds of hardship and negative, uh, negative attitude? Do you like that? I don't. I like to be around energized people. I like to be around positive people. I like to be around people who have hope. And these are the harvesters. Now, Jeff, when I first came, I talked about being a hoper. Now I'm talking about being a harvester, because harvesters are hopers. And they're energetic, and they're fun to be with. Uh, you go on a mission trip with those folks, and uh, they never forget each other for the rest of their life. There's a bond in the community of harvesters. Harvesters is a community within the faith family of the church. And they're just fun to be with. You know, I don't know an adult, Jenny, you helped me out back here, that went on the trip with our youth this summer, that left crossings and said, I'm never going back. Was there an adult chaperone that said that, Jenny? She's going, no. We all bonded on that trip. We had a blast on that trip. And that can happen for you Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday as you teach with children in our church. Here's what I've come to learn. Those who sit and soak are the most gruntled people in the church. Those who serve often, I've learned, tire in well-doing. We do tire. I tire the ministry, but the ministry is never tiring. We our church, Parkland, restarted a, a church in, toward Taylorsville. It became known as Parkland Hills. That church had died a couple of times. and The Lord invited us in to restart that church. And one of the members of that church, one of the leaders of the church, said, we're just so tired. I said, what do you do? Well, I teach Sunday school class. What else do you do? Nothing. I said, you teach one Sunday school class, one week, one day a week, that's all you do, and you're tired? Parkland Baptist is getting ready to come in here. Our Sunday school teachers come back on Sunday afternoon for the teachers meeting. They're there Sunday night for church training. They come back on Wednesday night and do something else, sing in the choir. They come out on Thursday night and they go out on visitation door to door. They have deacons meeting on a Tuesday night that lasts two and a half, three hours. And you're tired? What they wanted was for somebody else to come in and take over their church so they wouldn't have to do anything. That's what they wanted. It didn't work. We said, we're not going to do that. We're going to train and equip you to do the work of ministry. That church is still there under the name Restoration. I've also come to learn that those who serve faithfully are renewed. Hear this. This is a good thing. Those who serve faithfully are renewed through worshipful living. You serve at church 
And if you're serving at church, you don't get a lot of worship time in here. Your worship time takes place in your personal time with the Lord during the week. You can't wait till Sunday morning for 30 minutes to say, I was in worship. You have a worshipful living life. When I was a preacher boy, just starting to preach, there was a group out there called the Imperials. Anybody heard the Imperials? Am I that old? My gosh. And um, the tenor of that, um, that group still lives in Tennessee and sings at the church. Had a song called Lord of the Harvest. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I won't sing it. Aren't you glad? Lord of the Harvest, place your fire in me. Servant you need now, servant I will be. Give me the eyes of your spirit, your heart of compassion to know. Lord of the harvest, show me where to go. Will you bow your heads? We thank you, Father, for the opportunity to be a harvester, to join the Lord of the harvest in the fields where the work is always plentiful, where people are healed where people are transformed, where miracles happen and miracles take place. God, we want to be a part of that miracle activity of God. We want to be a part of that spiritual thrust, not thrust down, but thrust out, thrust up by your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we want to see great things happen, not by our doing, but by the miraculous presence of Jesus Christ in us. The day will come when addicts will come to Ekron Baptist and find Jesus Christ. Families will come to a counseling center here and will find hope and healing. People in the community who have desperate needs will not just get a can of food or help with their light bill, but will hear the gospel and be transformed and go on to a better way of life. Lord, may we become that kind of church. And may we be the first to say, send me, send me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship service of the Ekron Baptist Church. You too can accept the eternal life offered by Jesus Christ. First, admit that you are a sinner. Then believe that Jesus Christ can forgive you of your sins and ask him to come into your heart and change your life. Then confess your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. If you've made this decision today, write to us at the Akron Baptist Church, 2775 Hayesville Road, Akron, Kentucky, 40117. If you're looking for a church home, we invite you to be a part of our growing family with programs and Bible studies for all ages. Join us next Sunday at 11 a.m. for morning worship from the Ekron Baptist Church. Until that time, may God bless.